Welcome to a Holy Mess podcast with me, His Holy Mess, Father Paul Hulis. This is a podcast to encourage, entertain, and give hope to those of us who are striving to find holiness in a very messy world. It's also a podcast for all those who identify as a holy mess, like me, hence His Holy Mess. Are we not all in some way, because of our weaknesses and our sinfulness, a holy mess? Yet the good news is that God, who is supremely pristine and pure, entered the depths of our mess and the mess of this world and made it holy. And he doesn't just clean up the mess in our lives, but he redeems it, uses it, and turns our mess into a beautiful message of hope. So tune in, bring your mess with you, and join me for a clean but very messy podcast. One, two, three. Welcome back, Holy Messes, to another episode of A Holy Mess with His Holy Mess, Father Paul. I don't even know what number episode this is. Uh, we're going about eight, nine months strong now. Uh, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm very excited about this episode. I'm excited and nervous, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you why right now. Uh, in, in, a, in the United States of America, uh, the country is uh, secular America that is, is celebrating what we know in this month of June as Pride Month, as LGBTQ Month. And, you know, I was thinking, like, I have to do an episode about this topic uh, to try to reach these people in one way, uh, shape, form or another. But I didn't want to just come on and talk about it myself or have another guest on that. We just kind of talked to people and talked about it. I was really thinking, I'm like, Lord, can you please help me find somebody that was actually heavily into the LGBTQ community, somebody who who identified, had the orientation of, of same-sex attraction, but then maybe found the Lord and had some hardcore conversion to Catholicism and is now, you know, striving to live according to the teachings of Christ in the church. And as God does, because God is amazing, I asked one friend if she knew of anybody and, um, and she said, yeah, absolutely. There's this guy, Tyler. Oh my gosh, you got to get in touch with him. He's on Instagram. You got to read his story. I had an Instagram live with him. He would be great for you. And I'm probably not doing the best impression of Marilis Pinero. Um, <laughs> who's known as the ex-nun on the run on Instagram. Uh, but I was so uh, uh, encouraged, and I immediately looked up Tyler and asked him if he would do this podcast, and he said yes immediately. So, Tyler, I'm sorry. I don't know your last name. You don't have to give your last name, um, but I want to say, uh, Tyler, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, this, uh, this is exciting. So you're in Hawaii right now, right? Yep. Are you like from there, born and raised? Um, I was born in North Dakota, and then I grew up in Minnesota, and then now I've been in Hawaii for 13 years. <laughs> How did you end up over there? Um, so I wanted to get out of the cold. That was kind of the thing that drew me to Hawaii. Um, and then I went to um, Hawaii Pacific University, which is one of the colleges here on the island, and studied human resources there, and then stayed afterwards. Wow. You know what? I, I I often tell people, 
I'm not a well-connected man when it comes to the church. Uh, I can't say, oh, I'm friends with this bishop and I'm friends with that bishop. But the only bishop that I happen to be like personal friends with, not that like that just that I know or is a good acquaintance. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have good relationships with the bishops in my archdiocese. But I, I guess I could say the only bishop that is literally like a personal friend to me happens to be the bishop of Honolulu, uh, <laughs> Bishop Larry Silva, your bishop. Well, yeah. Um, and, uh, he's a good friend of mine. I talk to him all the time and I also visit him all the time. So, oh, cool. uh, and I saw that you had a picture with him. So do you, do you know if, do you know him well, or just the fact that he's your bishop? Uh, it's just the fact that he's my bishop. He actually is the one who did my confirmation as well. Um, I've met him a few times, but it's just kind of the normal parishioner in the diocese meeting the bishop. I wouldn't say we're like, we're like friends or anything <laughs> yeah yeah sure well i told him that i was doing this interview i told him he's like oh can you send me a because i said oh i saw a picture with you and this guy and oh. he was really he said send me the picture and so i did and we've been uh playing phone tag but i i yeah yeah so i would try to get uh, some a little more info but um oh, so anyway uh well listen tyler uh welcome to a holy mess with holy mess uh with his holy mess father paul uh you have a story to tell um and I want to let you tell it. Obviously, we'll have a conversation about it. But uh, the main thing is that uh, you were, I think, for 10 years or so, very heavily involved in the LGBTQ movement and community or whatever you call it. I don't want to speak for you. And all of a sudden now, for the past four years or so, uh, you've been a devout practicing a Catholic, living and striving to live by the Catholic Church's teachings. So um, for our listeners, um, you know, how did this happen? Where, where did you come from? Uh, I mean, uh, was was your struggle with, with homosexuality something from a very young age? I mean, where could we start here? What, what do you usually tell people when you come on one of these shows? Sure. Um, so I grew up in a Catholic family. I'm going to mass. My grandma would, I remember her trying to teach me the rosary and I would try to pray the rosary. I remember doing this like when I would go up to um the Eucharist when I was a kid, because um, I didn't receive my first communion yet. Um, and then basically from a young age, maybe age like four or so, I remember having same-sex attractions. And, um, but I knew it wasn't like right, or I knew that that wasn't a normal thing. Um, because back then, this was like in the 90s, um, our society isn't how it is now. So like on the TV and movies and everything that wasn't like a normal thing that our society back then in the 90s wasn't how it is today so it's kind of like it was like the joke of the tv show or something if somebody was gay or um whatever so I was kind of like okay yeah I guess it's not a normal thing and then of course being in the church you kind of just it wasn't really spoken about like I don't remember a priest or anything speaking about it but I just knew that it wasn't in alignment with the church. Um, I didn't understand the differences between like acting on it and the attraction. I just thought, okay, all of it just doesn't align with the church. So that's kind of where I kind of fell out of the church once I was in high school. Okay. Wow. So from an early age now, you know, we this could be like a hotly debated topic, whatever you said from the age of four, um, a lot of people, uh, they, they question, they say, they wonder if, you know, somebody is born gay, 
uh, or if it's uh, a product of the environment that they grew up in. Do you have any thoughts and beliefs on that? Um, that, I mean, I've met, of course, so many different people that identify as gay from all different backgrounds, like regular families, mom and a dad. Maybe they just had a dad or maybe just a mom. So to me, when people say that, it doesn't really fully connect, I guess, because everybody has different situations and it's the same kind of situations as um, people who are straight um, grew up in as well. So I, I don't, I guess I don't really see the connection when people say that. <laughs> when you were gr growing up, was this something that you hid completely and totally to yourself? Like, did you, was it, did you eventually, like, when, when was the first time that you would, I'd say you, you would come out? Um, I would say probably around, like, maybe 10th grade to friends at, in school. Okay, so, but not to your family yet? No. And this is, you said in the 90s or in the 2000s? Um, so at that point, um, it was the 2000s when I was in high school. And when you started to tell others about this, uh, were you met with respect and love or were you re uh, met with uh, rejection and discrimination? Uh, so friends at school, um, most of them were completely like accepting and accepted that life and accepted me pursuing that sexuality and supported me like talking about my crushes in school and trying to pursue different crushes in school. Um, so they didn't really have any objection. There were a few like classmates. I remember one classmate came up to me and told me, you know, um, like I'm a Christian. I don't support that. And that's all he said. And then he kind of like walked away and I was so like caught off guard and kind of appalled that my friend would say that to me. But I mean, he was standing in his truth, I guess, with the church. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel that growing up, like you said, you grew up Catholic. Would you say that your your family was like a like a devout? I mean, there's a lot of families that are Catholic, right? That many are nominally, you know. Like I, I used to say, you know, when I was growing up, my parents were great parents, and yes, we were Catholic, but we weren't we weren't like you know the, the best practicing Catholics, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of people are nominally Catholic. Did you grow up in a in a very devout Catholic family, or was it kind of like more like mine? Um, well, I guess when, in my early childhood, it was kind of somewhat nominally Catholic. And then once I was like maybe second or third grade, um, my mom had married into like a devout Catholic family. So then we did start going to mass every Sunday. Um, I started going to like Sunday school classes at the parish. I would go to the Wednesday night catechesis classes. That's when I um, actually was baptized and received First Communion at the same time um, on Easter vigil of the year 2000 when I was in third grade. Um, so I was a little bit, I guess, delayed, but then got into kind of a devout practice um, from the third grade. Now, the whole time, since you said that you started to notice when you were four years old that you were attracted to members of the same sex, how much, I mean, because you're a child, right? So was, was it something that was like really in your mind every day, all day? Was, did it affect your childhood? Was it this huge, big secret, this huge burden that you were carrying around? Or was it just, were you just kind of like, all right, you didn't even think about it. You're just a child. Or did you feel like, okay, this is something that like, I know is not normal as you, cause you said, even then you, you, you realized that it wasn't. And this is like, I cannot tell anyone about this. Yeah, it was kind of like where I knew I didn't want to tell anyone about it, but 
like before I would say high school, like, I don't know, just elementary school, middle school. I mean, your hormones aren't really that strong. So it's like you have the attractions, like maybe you have a crush or something, but it's not like, I don't know, something where it's so like overwhelming or I don't know, it's just like those little elementary middle school kind of crushes and you don't really pursue them that much. And I knew that it wasn't the norm. So I just didn't talk about it, but it didn't really bother me too much at that point, I guess. Sure, sure. And when you were going through these classes and you be becoming more of a, of a Catholic and as your family starting to practice more and more, was that a topic that you ever heard about? Did, did anybody in the church ever even, did you even know what the church taught about human sexuality uh, growing up? Mm, no, I didn't. No one ever talked about it. And all the catechesis classes, the Sunday school classes, no homilies, no nothing. So I had like no resource of what the Catholic idea or teaching was on that. So it wasn't even you were like, okay, well, I'm like, I, I, the church teaches this and I, I don't feel this way. So you didn't even know about it. And I, and to be honest with you, that's, that's also my experience. And I would say that is the majority of Catholics experience growing up uh, unless their parents uh, mm -hmm. have the, the courage and the knowledge to talk to them about God's plan for human sexuality, because I, I didn't know about anything until mm -hmm. I was like a, a junior in high school when I went, ended up going mm -hmm. to a Catholic high school. And that, you know, that's something that, you know, Christopher West talks about all the time is that like, he didn't know growing up that God had this amazing, beautiful, uh, glorious plan for human sexuality growing up you were just kind of taught like yeah sex is meant for marriage and yeah, don't have those thoughts <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> as, as just something that's negative and nobody you know and i think even today in our day in, in our day and age now we are scared to death to talk to uh our students about catholic teaching and mm -hmm. because we're, well, you know, we got to leave that to the parents. And I'm always like, well, if we're teaching them all other aspects of Catholic teaching and, mm -hmm. you know, this is Catholic teaching, then why, you know, why can they learn about it in health, but they can't learn about what God, uh, the scriptures and the catechism of the Catholic Church talks about human sexuality. This would actually help many, 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 many people because, you know, a lot of people know that the, the Catholic Church is against abortion, but abortion is not as evil as and as as abhorrent as abortion is. Uh, you know, the, the problem, the, the root of abortion, the root of the problem is that we don't know who we are as made in the image and likeness of God. We don't know God's plan for human sexuality. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yes, we do need to, obviously abortion is, is evil and it's a murder, but we need to go to people's hearts. We need to go, you know, enlighten people's minds and their hearts that God has this glorious plan for human sexuality made in the image and likeness of God. But you, myself, and majority of the people that I have come in contact with never heard about this stuff until mm -hmm. maybe a little bit older, maybe when they were a young adult or they started to ask about it themselves. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're, you know, identify as gay or as straight. We all kind of grew up not hearing anything from the church about human sexuality. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, and, and that's certainly a shame. So you said uh, earlier that when I think uh, when you were around maybe 12 or 14, is that when you stopped to go to church? Um, probably around high school, I would say, because I did get a, my first job in 
I think it was ninth grade once I was 15. Like I always wanted to have a job as a kid and have my own money. So it's like once I had that job in a fast food place, then I started working every Sunday and stopped going to church. And that I feel like is when I fully kind of just left the church. Okay. So it wasn't like a decision because of like, okay, I'm attracted to other men. I need to leave the church. It had nothing to do with that at that point. Yeah, I was kind of like, um, for lack of better words, like over it at that point. Uh, <laughs> like yeah. I didn't really have any desire to go to church. I wasn't interested. I felt like if the people there knew this part of me that they would hate me. So I kind of felt out of place when I would be in the mass thinking that with the, all the people surrounding me. Um, so I just, it wasn't a place that I felt comfortable like going to. All right, interesting. You thought you would be hated. Do you mind if I ask why? Where where did that concept or thought come from? Sure. Um, I think it comes partially from like the media and kind of like the whispers behind um, outside the church, I guess, of the way Catholics talk about gay people at times or like I would see on the TV, there would be, it wasn't Catholics, but like the, so was it like the Baptist people holding the signs at the gay soldiers' funerals, like that was a big thing back then about them going to hell and all these things. So at that point, I didn't really understand the difference between like Baptists and other like Protestant Christians and Catholics. Like I just thought it was all the same at that point in my life. Um, so I just thought, oh yeah, they think that of me. So that's kind of between all of those things coming together. That's kind of how I got that thought. Okay. Um, so at that point, um, I started coming out to friends at school and um, there was, I think our high school had like 1800 people. And I think at that time there was maybe like two or three guys who identified as gay at that time. Um, so it was kind of slim pickings for me, um, but um, there was like one that I had a crush on. So then I would like always talk to my friends about him and all of that. And then while that was going on, then I would go home and I just wouldn't talk about it. And then um, about a year later, um, when I was in 11th grade, then um, my family had found out um, about it and they had asked me, um, are you gay? And then I already had planned maybe to come out and once I was 18. Um, but at that moment, I figured, okay, well, there's no sense in lying about it because, I mean, what am I going to do? act like I'm not. So then I came out and confirmed that. And yeah, things kind of went downhill for a little while with family during that time. Um, so that was kind of a hard point in my testimony where kind of not having any family support at that time, but my friends were pretty supportive during that hard, rough time. And please don't say anything in, 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 uh, that's too personal if I'm asking in terms of like what your family would want to be said or not. But when you say mm -hmm. you had a tough time with your family, mm -hmm. um, if there is anything that is appropriate to say now, uh, mm -hmm. what did you mean by that? Was a, the, a sure. rejection because of that, you know, you came out or is there anything that you could speak to that at all? If not, that's yeah. totally fine. Sure. Yeah. Basically, they kind of like overreacted in a way and they kind of rejected me and there were other family members who like ended up coming over and like they wouldn't look at me and they like I was they wanted me to call all our other family members to let them know and 
um, I don't know, it was almost like one family member after another, all the people that you grew up being loved by and leaning on. It's like, it felt like within an hour, they were all turning against me and rejecting me. So it was very lonely and very empty and probably the most depressed I've ever been in my life. It was really difficult. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think that that people have that immediate reaction? And you're not even saying that this was a, like a, a reaction because of their faith, right? You're just saying this is like they're finding out that you're gay and there's all of a sudden this aura of negativity and rejection. Um, can you speak to that at all? Yeah, I think um, partially it was like it could have been the faith or a misunderstanding of the faith. Um, and then partially the culture at the time, because the culture wasn't as like like woke during the year, like the... I don't know, 2000s during that period. So I feel like it was a mixture of both things. Mm. So what'd you do about that? How how did you react to their reaction? Um, I just kind of like shut down. I just kind of isolated myself. Um, it was kind of rough because even at school, like I didn't want to bother or put that burden that I was feeling on my friends and stuff. So during lunch, for example, I would just go to the library. I wouldn't go eat with my friends because I felt like I didn't deserve to have friends. Like I just needed to be away from everyone. Like I didn't deserve to even eat lunch. Like that's how I was feeling and how it was affecting me during that time. Was there anybody there for you that did help you that was a good emotional support for you? Um, I did have like a couple close friends that kind of checked on me and stood by me. But other than that, it was just kind of like I had this kind of calm. I like I almost feel like the Holy Spirit, even though I was like totally kind of leaving the church with everything that I was doing and starting to profess. Like I just knew that everything was going to be OK just to kind of be patient and ride out the storm so i never had like um like suicidal thoughts or anything like that or any of that ideation i just i was very very low but i knew it wasn't going to be like that forever that in the future things are going to be better so i just had like that sense of calmness about me what what could you say to family members and friends of somebody who does come out and you know not that they have to agree with you know them wanting to you know live that lifestyle or become active in that lifestyle but you know what you experience i mean and i'm not saying it's negative about your parents in particular or your family members in particular but i've heard this many 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 times of you know people being extremely scared to come out and then they do and then they there's this rejection and mm -hmm. so what would be a much better way what could you say to the family and the friends so that you know you just said that it was like the, the the time of the greatest depression that you had ever experienced in your life right so you know i'll get into like what the church teaches or maybe you'll talk about that later or whatever but you know yes although the catholic church uh in no way shape or form uh is uh approving of you know an active uh gay lifestyle the catholic church also is completely against 
um, any type of unjust discrimination and says that we must treat every individual as a child of God made in his image and likeness with love, with compassion, and with sensitivity, and that we are to walk with them. We are not to just be like, what, what did you say? Get out of here, you know, in no way, shape, or form. And I'm not perfect at this either, especially online on social media, because I react more to like the movement shoving it in like everybody's face, not, and people are like, oh, you're kind of mean. And I'm like, no, no, no. They're like, I'm not talking about the individual. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I love the individual. I have friends that, are, that, that are same sex attracted. I I'm more like upset with like with this movement or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also need better compassion and, and more sensitivity. Uh, one-on-one I'm fine with it, but also in this digital age, there needs to be more compassion and sensitivity. So, um, what are some thoughts that you would have on family member, friends, or even complete strangers online on, you know, how to deal with this without watering down the faith or changing the teaching of the church, but at the same time, making you feel much more loved? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, of course, it's going to be a shock no matter what I feel like. Um, but in that moment to just try to like control your emotions and um, just like, like give them love and everything but of course you can always confirm that you know this isn't something that we approve of but like we love you as our son or our daughter and we um are here for you to listen and um help you um but we i don't know we like wouldn't be able to support like that kind of a relationship or anything but still being there for them and confirming that you love them and um, you'll still be with them. And I think as a preparation for that, because it's so like not rampant, but like it's becoming more common for these types of conversations and issues to come up in families. It's I think it's very important for people to be up to speed on the Catholic teaching. So in case they end up in these situations, they're not caught like off guard as much they're able to kind of remain calm because they know the difference between like the actions and the um attractions and they can better support their family i think their family member in that way if they can kind of separate like the actions from who the person is and continue loving that person while also walking in truth yeah yeah, Lord, please, please help us all to become much more sensitive because we do not want to be, we do not want to be pushing people away. We want them to know that they are loved. Thank you, Tyler, for for saying that. I hope that it, it touched many people, and it's, I'm I'm certainly listening uh, myself. So, all right. So now you're about 18, and did you go off to college? Is that when you got much more involved in the LGBTQ community? Yeah. Um, So I guess it started my like senior year of high school. So my family did kind of come around and um, they kind of did what I suggested in a way where, I mean, the initial reaction wasn't that great. But then afterwards it was like, okay, we love you. But I kind of knew that they didn't really support me like dating other men or that lifestyle. But we were able to kind of find like a medium where it's kind of just like we find common ground and that's kind of what we move forward with. Um, and then, but in high school, cause I'm a September baby, I was 18 for the majority of my senior year. So 
Um, I had some older friends from work and we would go down to the gay bars in Minneapolis because I was living in Minnesota at that time. And I would, so I started dabbling in that life during that time. But then, yeah, once I graduated high school, I did go off to college. Um, I went to my first year in North Dakota. There wasn't really much going on over there. So I <laughs> ended up transferring to um, HPU, the Hawaii Pacific University in Honolulu. And that's when everything really kind of went wild because you're thousands of miles away from your family. You're living in a big city. There's, it's a very liberal place. So very, like they're very open to pretty much anything um, in Hawaii. And there's lots of lots of different clubs and gay bars and just all kinds of things in certain areas. So, um, and then of course you mix that all in with the college party lifestyle in general. Yeah. And all of that was just like a kind of a mess where things started going off the rails. <laughs> yeah. Did you find a lot more acceptance in college rather than in high school? Oh yeah. Yeah, I had like, um, like most of my guy, like all my friends, if they were guys, they were gay. If they were um, women, like they totally supported that. And mm. they had other gay guy friends. And I don't know, it was like a whole community kind of niche together. And then I would meet friends through the other gay guys that I would meet. And we would go to the bars together and the pride parades together. And then I would meet their friends and everyone kind of gets connected through that LGBT movement. Yeah. And I don't know what, you know, we, because as I told you before this interview, I purposely didn't, you know, while I read some, some about you, I didn't ask you previous questions or whatever, because I wanted to ask for the first time. I know you did an interview with my friend Marilis and I didn't listen to it because I didn't want to be like, okay, well then I'm going to hit that. I'm going to hit that. <laughs> but I also want to be, you know, I, I want to be careful because if somebody's going to interview me about my past, I'm not going to tell them every single sin that I committed. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this personal private thing, you go to confession for that. Mm -hmm. But um, this is the beginning of, uh, I think you said 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. Involved heavily in the LGBTQ movement. Um, is there anything that you do normally share about in your testimony about that, that 10 years that our, 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 our audiences, it would be effective for them to hear about? Sure. Yeah. So I guess those first couple years of college, I was, partying, blacking out almost every weekend. I was dancing on stages in the gay bars, taking my shirt off, um, hooking up with people. Um, it was a lot of stuff going on. And then probably a couple years into college, I ended up meeting a guy at my job that we actually ended up getting in a relationship with for about two and a half years. And he like met my family. He we flew to Minnesota for Thanksgiving one year. We, um, I surprised him and took him to Disneyland for Valentine's Day one year. Um, we had anniversary dinners like on the like penthouse of like the steakhouse restaurant with like fireworks outside. Like we traveled around, stayed in the Four Seasons. Like we did everything, and like I was fully in that life. Like and I was happy. Like there was no reason in my mind to leave i had everything that the world promised and um, offered in that life and um, i was completely confident as well i didn't hide that from anyone um, i did end up 
breaking up with that boyfriend. And then I had another serious kind of boyfriend for a year. And then after that, I did kind of get wild again, where I was back at the gay bars. I was on the hookup apps, um, meeting up with random guys I didn't know. Um, that Yeah, lots of different things going on. But then it kind of got to a point where it was like kind of getting old in a way. It was kind of like I was craving something more and I wasn't finding that in that LGBT movement. I wasn't finding that in these other men. In fact, I was starting to feel worse about myself because in that movement, it's all about because you're basically so deep in lust and I was like basically idolizing and worshiping these other men. And it's like, then you start looking at yourself in the mirror, like, oh, that person doesn't want to sleep with me. How come? Like, am I not fit enough? Do I not look good enough? So then you start getting really involved in like the gym and fitness, trying to not for health reasons or anything. You're just trying to look good to attract these other men. Um, so you can take those shirtless selfies, which lead to other kind of photos and exchanging with those men. And it's like a whole thing where you start getting really self-conscious and you start feeling I was starting to feel like down and depressed at points because I just felt how come these men nothing ever works out with them how come this one doesn't want me how come this one doesn't want to sleep with me it was those types of thoughts that would go through my head so I was definitely longing for something during my time in that movement now you spoke for thank you for sharing that uh you spoke about the promise promiscuity in that movement. And I, you know, my question is, and I'm sure many other people, uh, do you think that there's any more promiscuity in the, you know, at the gay bars than there is though, you know, because there's a lot of promiscuity with heterosexuals as well. Mm -hmm. Is there, and I'm not trying to compare in any which way, shape or form, but you know, some people might listen and say, well, yeah, okay. I mean, everybody's promiscuous at a certain, especially in college. And is there anything, did you find, uh, different uh, about it yeah um i think it was actually a little bit more than like what someone would who identifies as straight would experience um because with like a straight relationship there's like the guy and then um there's like the woman and it's kind of like the woman's decision in a way if they want to get together but when you have two guys who are both pretty much acting like animals and it's like it gets to be more frequent than and it's not really a big deal like it's just normal to have a group of guys that are like maybe eight guys in the group and people have slept with probably six out of the eight or really? at least done stuff with six out of the eight like it's very common once you meet somebody to at least do something with them so it's yeah it's a lot <laughs> But there you are, you're saying like, okay, here I am, I'm in this movement, I'm partying, I'm trying to do everything, I'm looking for some type of law, I was in a relationship, then I just went back to hooking up with many other people, but I'm feeling worse, and it wasn't fulfilling me and my heart. So what happened from there? Sure, from there, um, I would continue just searching for that Mr. Right, I would go to the gay pride parades, all of that, and um, felt like I was celebrating myself, celebrating our movement, all of that stuff. Um, but then probably around 2017, I would say, I started having this like longing out of nowhere, this desire to go to mass. And my, out of nowhere. yeah, out of nowhere, like no one like talked about mass or invited me to a mass or anything. I just wanted to go one day. 
And um, even when my um, ex-boyfriend, where he lived, there wasn't like guest parking at his building. So I would like find street parking in the neighborhood. And there was a church that I would walk by, a Catholic church, every time I would park. And then I would walk by that church to go to his apartment. So then I would ask him sometimes like, oh, can we um, go to mass sometime? Like, it, I think it'd be really cool to go check out that church sometime. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Like I asked him to go steal something from the store. Like, why would we go to mass? You know, it's like, like basically it's almost like, do you see how we're living? Or like he had no interest in going, but I don't know. There's something that was drawing me in, but I didn't want to go by myself because I had that perception in my mind that if I were to walk in there, that people would automatically be able to point me out and say like, what is he doing here? Or why are you here? Or like I had that fear of like being judged in a way yeah. um, of even just walking into a Catholic church. So I had that desire and I would ask other friends too um, that I knew grew up Catholic, but they were in the LGBT movement and they said like the same thing. They just absolutely did not want to go. And I would try to talk them into going with me and they just would not like they would change the subject. They would just look at me like I'm crazy so i just continued on in my um lgbt movement at that point can we just hit pause right there real quick so thanks for bringing that up in those 10 years was there any talk about christianity or catholicism in that movement on on what they thought or what they thought the church thought of them or you know is there like you know is just like a bunch of good people that are misinformed is there actual you know like a lot of hatred what what can you say to that yeah, I would say it's like, oh, they're bigots or they're homophobic or um, we would kind of make fun of Christians. Like you see, like if I were to have been on Instagram, for example, and I would see how people do like um, like praise and worship singing or something, we'd probably laugh and maybe we would make like a little comment to each other or something like, I don't know, we, like I remember making fun of Christians. I thought they were homophobic they hated us they're bigots all the kind of the typical stuff that you hear and then i remember when um one another perception of christians when the whole gay marriage stuff was going through like legislation and everything i would think how come all these people like they're so against us getting married but like why don't if they're so for the sacredness of marriage and everything why don't they just make divorce illegal like i i would think it's like hypocritical like that's the kind of stuff i would think about christians mm. Mm. yeah but it's interesting that so you're involved and you're, you're having this longing you're even asking uh your friends to go nobody wants to go uh so what happened from there how, how'd you end up here how how am i talking to you on this podcast <laughs> sure yeah, so, um, of course, I think God saw my heart was like, had that little open crack in it, and the Holy Spirit was sliding it, its way through that crack. And so one day I get a call from my um, cousin, who at the time was going to a college in California, who's very involved in like the Christian ministry um, at that college. So she called me, she was saying her and a couple of friends were coming to Hawaii to come visit and go around and um, it's so interesting to me thinking about it now, like when I was on that phone call, I wasn't, my first thought wasn't, 
oh, my cousin's coming. I get to go show her around different waterfalls, beaches, whatever. My first thought is she's going to want to go to church and I want to go to church with her. Like that was the first thing that popped in my mind. I was thinking, yes, I get to go to church now. Like that was the thing that popped in my head. (laughs) Holy cow. So she came out and you went? Yeah. Um, So for her, she's um, a Protestant though. So we did go to um, a Baptist church that she had found online. Um, So I was, of course, really nervous to go to a Baptist church because I had never really been to a Protestant church before. Um, Maybe like one Protestant wedding or a funeral or something, but never like a service. So we get there and, of course, they have like the greeters and I'm like looking for the holy water and there's no holy water. There's just a bunch of chairs in this like auditorium and they had like donuts and like coffee and juice in the back and and I was thinking, oh, that's nice for after. But they're like, oh, no, we come get some coffee and donuts. And I'm even though I didn't understand, I didn't know what a Eucharistic fast was or anything like I knew inside, like that's a little weird because we never did that growing up. You eat after mass. So I thought that was weird. And then, of course, they sing. They were singing like five songs in a row. And I'm like, OK, when are they going to get to like the teachings or talking? And I don't know. It was just so um, different. and. Um, I actually did end up going to that Bible study with that place, and I decided, yeah, something in me was like, I need to get back to the Catholic Church. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like the Holy Spirit is is literally just like driving you. I mean, not controlling you because oh, yeah. <laughs> obviously you have freedom, but encouraging you, giving you these these opportunities uh, to come back to Him. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so. All right, so the, what what happened from there? Um, well, I guess I'm um, kind of a backtrack a little bit into that service. There was a moment that really stuck out where that like pastor had said this was like the week before Christmas, and um, they were talking about how like we're all sinners and everything, and we all deserve to go to hell, and that should be our sentence. And I'm thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like it's the week before Christmas, and you're talking, saying we're all going to hell and all these things. And I was like, what's going on here? Is it a little weird? And then he tells everyone, okay, close your eyes and um, put your hand up if at this moment you're not sure, like if you were to die right now, if you would go to heaven. So of course, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm involved in all this LGBT movement stuff, and I've been hooking up with men, have boyfriends, so I didn't know. So I rose my hand, and then of course, they're looking around for all those people, because then after the service, they're like, whoosh, to come and um, talk to us. So from there, basically, I don't know, I just had this hunger, like I had been starved, like my soul had been starved of information and all like the past stuff was like ripped out and now I was like so hungry for the truth so from that point after kind of being involved a little bit with that Protestant church I read the whole Bible cover to cover in that year I stopped watching my regular shows I used to watch like the Real Housewives I stopped watching my Real Housewives I instead started watching like only like Catholic YouTubers and some Protestant YouTubers And it first started off with, I just want to know the truth of what the Bible says about homosexuality and what the Catholic Church says about homosexuality. So I think I probably watched every single YouTube video there was at that time that I could find um, to figure out the truth. What year are we talking around? Sure. This was now 2019. Okay. All right. So not too long ago. Oh, yeah. All right. So please continue. 
Sure. Yeah. So basically it's like, that's all I did when I wasn't working. That's all I did was watch these YouTube videos and I would read the Bible and I would listen to the Bible in the car too, on like the Bible app as I was in traffic to keep going because I just needed to hear the Bible. And then I started praying the rosary and um, I went to confession for the first time in like 17 years or something like that um, during Lent that year. And that was an experience because I had heard in one of the YouTube videos that you're not supposed to receive the Eucharist um, in a state of mortal sin. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'd never heard of that. So then I was like, oh, no, I need to get to confession like now because and I can't go to church on Sunday and receive the Eucharist now because I just once I realized that teaching, I had to go to confession. So, um, yeah, it was all just absorbing everything and feeling that like spiritual starvation is what it felt like. <laughs> when you went when you went to confession uh, for the first time in 17 years, were you met with a compassionate, sensitive, merciful priest? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. And I had rehearsed it at home. Like I went through the examination of conscience and I would go year by year and then I would go through it again and then another day comb through it. So I had like my long list and then um, I had rehearsed it and I knew that if I talked like at this kind of a speed, kind of a little bit fast, um, I could get through it in like 13 or 14 minutes. Um, so I did like my 14 minute kind of nonstop, just quick catch a breath and keep going kind of confession. And then, yeah, the priest was very merciful and he did give like a big penance and everything, but he was very merciful and welcoming me kind of back into the church. And I felt like the hand of God that day. And it's like I describe walking out of that confessional and walking out into the street like, before it was like looking at like a video of like the 1970s or 80s where the like pixelation and everything is kind of blurry and the colors really aren't that great to walking out of the confessional. It's like high definition, like everything is so clear and the sun was so bright and everything was so like vivid. And I just felt so relieved, like the world was off my shoulders and I just wanted to like tell everyone in the street, like, come in here, like go to the confession, like just wanted to let everyone know what just happened. And yeah, it was a very life changing moment. Unbelievable. And it seems like you're all by yourself, like all for, for no reason whatsoever. You want to go to mass. You start asking people to go to church. Uh, your cousin comes, you end up going to church, and then you just start reading and listening and watching all these videos, and you go to confession. Mm -hmm. I mean, that to me, that just seems like complete grace, oh, yeah. complete and utter grace. I mean, you must have been open in some way, because it's not like the Lord isn't calling everybody to grace, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, though, um, and, and calling everybody to himself, but so, and, you know, we could, that may, may be subjective or whatever, but um so, okay, so you, you have this amazing experience confession. You want everybody to know about the Lord's uh, mercy. Uh, what happens from there? Um, so from there, um, I wanted to find other people that were like me in the church because I'm like, okay, well, now I'm in the church. So now what do I do? Like, how do I live this life and how do I stay holy and according to um, the teachings of the church and um, the Ten Commandments and all these things? and so I would search for examples and I had found um, like Manny Gonzalez and 
um, Avera on YouTube. So I had like them and I found them on Instagram. And then I would be searching like Instagram hashtags like gay Catholic or those types of things to try to find people online to talk to and ask questions to and um, look up to as an example because I really needed that because I didn't see that in the church and I was like is this going to be impossible like am I going to last in the church and then I didn't know what direction to go to in regards to like vocation or anything like that and I don't know I just I was in the church and so motivated but it's like I was kind of navigating like you said by myself and it was a little difficult (laughs) wow I mean a part of me is like in 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 real awe here um did you find that there were not enough resources for you when you needed it or was it was there just enough like is it so that somebody that like you that like they because i mean let's be honest and i as we're speaking like i'm i'm we need a part two like i beg you to do another part two like (laughs) pretty soon because um uh there's a lot of things i want to get into uh, not that we're, we're not even done with your story yet, but, um, uh, here's what I'm going to ask. There's a lot of people that are devout practicing Catholic. So I don't want to like paint the picture of like, okay, so, you know, somebody who's, you know, um, identifies as same sex attracted or whatever, like they are people that don't go to church. They hate the church. They, you know, it's only when they have a conversion, do these, you know, uh, quote unquote, gay people come back to church. Like, no, there are a lot of people who mm-hmm. are actually, um, you know, uh, practicing Catholics, if you will, that go to church, uh, you know, every week, maybe even daily, people that pray the rosary that are same sex attracted um, uh, and actually living a, a, a gay lifestyle in a sense but they completely believe that God is completely totally okay with it and that, you know, um, the church needs to, you know, be okay with it as well. And there are family members and people, uh, loved ones of who maybe their daughter or their son is gay or they know somebody or they just think in general, like, well, God accepts anybody and everybody and the church is really outdated with this. And we really need to listen to, you know, some of these priests that are having like these pride masses. So there seems to be this division and this this confusion in the church where there are devout faithful Catholics who who are faithful to the church's teaching on human sexuality. And then there are these devout practicing Catholics that um, they completely disregard it. And they're like, well, you know, Jesus was all about love anyway. So you happen to be somebody that, you know, grew up Catholic, but then you completely stopped. You fell away totally while you were active in the LGBTQ lifestyle. You were not going to church. Then you had this kind of reversion back to your faith. And now you're this faithful Catholic that's striving to live faithfully according to what the church teaches in human sexuality. So there's so many ways that we could go with this, but how did you navigate that? Because I'm assuming when you were you know, Googling or hashtagging, you know, to find, you know, gay Catholic, I'm sure you found both ends of the spectrum. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Catholics that, you know, are, you know, uh, same sex attracted that are living according to the church teachings. And then those that are like, no, you know, the church just needs to change and I'm not going to change who I am. So Mm -hmm. what was that like for you? Can you speak to that at all? Sure. Yeah, it's very, 
interesting. And, 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 and I'll shut up after this. And why did you choose to be somebody to say, well, no, I actually, even though I am same-sex attracted, I am going to live according to what I believe the scriptures and the church teaches. And then now I shut up and I listen to you. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I did find um, like a handful of people like on Instagram um, through like searching different hashtags and different groups, but then I would like follow their page and then like I would see, okay, well, like they have a boyfriend or like things like that. And I like, there were things that were just off and I'm like, yeah, they're not really the example that I'm looking for because I want to follow the church teaching. Um, and then there was actually like a service in Honolulu that um, I don't, I think it's just like a, maybe a ministry or something, um, but they had this like LGBT mass or something going on. So this was only a couple months into me returning to church. So I was thinking, oh, well, that'd be cool to check out and meet some other people like me until I went there and I showed up and there was like six or maybe eight men, older men. And they like they each had like a partner that I think they were like civilly married to and everything. And um, it was like at a Protestant church that they held this thing. I'm like, that should have been my first red flag. Um, but yeah, then I showed up there and they like did the readings for that day. And then somehow they had like the Eucharist and stuff and they were like distributing the Eucharist to people. And I remember, I don't know, it was just not a good thing. I didn't go back to that ever again. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so it's like I ended up seeing some of that side of it. And then, of course, there's like some well-known people on YouTube, even priests that talk about things like affirming kind of the LGBT movement in the way that they word things and and i don't know like i talk about how like the holy spirit kind of how we discussed was like guiding me it's like when i would hear these things like i knew that's not the truth and to like steer away from that and go back to the sound teaching of the church and i would study the saints in this one prayer group i went to and it's like you hear the lives of the saints and how holy and like unwavering they were from god's will and the church teachings and like to the point where they were willing to die to be martyred all these things and i was like i want that to be me like i don't want to stray away from the church teachings i want to do my best to just continue to stand firm and no matter what that looks like or how difficult it is like i want to remain faithful because jesus christ is the same today as he was yesterday as he will be tomorrow like there's no changing truth like a truth will always be the truth whether everyone believes it or they don't there's only one truth so that's kind of where i ended up settling on I, but <laughs> I, obviously i i agree i'm amazed but but why like what did the church have to offer you what did christ have to offer you that you are like no that's it like i am I, okay, you said he's the truth, the way he's the mm -hmm. same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But mm -hmm. what were you finding within Catholicism, within these people that many are saying, oh, they just hate us, you know? And mm -hmm. at one point you thought that. What are you finding now within the church that you're like, yeah, you know what? Not only um, do I not want to leave here, uh, but I want to I want to remain faithful even un, un, unto death. So sure. what, what, what are you finding in the church? 
Well, I looked back at how I had felt in the LGBT movement, where I had like that anxiety, that super deep depression, not feeling good enough, all those things. And then now it's like how I feel now, like I feel at peace. I feel at home. I do feel welcomed when I go to Catholic parishes. And I was welcomed with open arms with different Catholics in different parishes and have gotten to really know the hearts of these Catholics and also going to confession and that feeling of complete forgiveness and having your sins washed away um, and forgotten. Basically, once you're leaving that confessional, like that peace and comfort in the Lord and praying and relying on God um, is a feeling that just I couldn't get that in the LGBT movement. So that's why <laughs> I guess even as hard as it can be at times, um, I choose to stay where I'm at now. Yeah, right. Because you don't stop like we don't automate. We don't like, you know, accept Christ. And then all of a sudden we never have desires again. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, we're still human beings and every single one of us, whether gay or straight, um, have concupiscence, which is the mm -hmm. the lure of sin. You know, uh, we yeah, we've been baptized and confirmed and we have the Holy Spirit within us. But we're constantly tempted, right? We don't stop having mm -hmm. desires, whether they're, you know, desires for the same sex or the opposite sex, regardless of how one, uh, it, you know, feels like they're oriented or whatever. So can you speak to that? Like, what is that like? Because obviously, right? And I, I, and I don't know, maybe I actually don't know because there's some people, uh, but I don't get the sense from talking to you so far that we're talking about this um, – is the word like some reversion therapy or anything like that, mm -hmm. right? We're not mm -hmm. talking about that. It seems to me that like, no, like it's you didn't, your orientation didn't necessarily change. You're just like, I'm going to take this to the Lord. I'm going to get my desires mm -hmm. filled, fulfilled from Christ, from the sacraments, from confession, from the Eucharist. So, mm -hmm. so how do you, what do you do with that, with these, you know, temptations or your desires? Like how, how is it possible to be, um, I don't want to say how's it possible to be a homosexual and chase because it's mm. I, that's the thing. Like sometimes we focus so much on homosexuality. It's like, yeah, but heterosexuals, we have to be chased too. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like yeah. <laughs> it's not like just because you're straight, you can have like promiscuous sex or lust is okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like homosexuality is bad and heterosexuality is good. Okay. There might be mm -hmm. something more natural about it. The catechism talks about homosexual uh desires being you know uh like a disordered but sin is disordered in and of itself right so if mm -hmm. a straight man or a straight woman is lusting or coveting thy neighbor's wife right there's not that's not a that's also disordered that that's mm -hmm. not ordered toward what god wants so like let me make that clear that it's not just like oh the gay stuff is evil and bad and the straight stuff that's totally fine like we mm -hmm. don't talk about that enough that like no actually you know we are all called to live according to god's plan for human sexuality so anything that doesn't go again anything that is not ordered towards what god had planned for us made in the image and likeness of god as male and female is also disordered so mm -hmm. you know <clears throat> uh i think maybe one of the reasons why people in the church react so much is because of now in this community and you know the out you know there's this movement that's kind of being shoved down everybody's throat so we're like okay but we catholic christians need to be on, we need to be consistent with sin in general, 
okay, mm-hmm. and, and our desires in general. And that's, I think, Christopher West with The Theology of the Body and many, mm-hmm. many others, you know, Jason Everett, there's a really a great, beautiful, you know, thing on that. But so, but what can that speak to for you, for you yourself as somebody that has these desires that was involved in that movement? Um, how do you, how do you, how are you a faithful Catholic? Sure. Yeah. So I have, I mean, met guys that I am attracted to since being in the church. And it's like, you feel that click, that connection. And it's something that in the past I would have pursued and tried to get like a relationship. But instead, um, what I do is I'll pray for that person. So whenever they come to my mind or I start thinking about them, like I'll pray for them, I'll pray for their soul. I'll pray for their conversion into the church. Um, I also keep the LGBT movement in my prayers pretty much daily also. Um, So, um, and then of course, in times of struggle, like going to adoration and praying and just telling Jesus, being like real with Jesus, how you feel. Like I'm struggling right now. Like sometimes it's like, this sucks. Like, I don't know what to do. Like just praying in adoration and telling Jesus these things, having that like intimate relationship with him where you can tell Jesus anything. And to me, that's like a form of prayer, just letting Jesus know what's on your mind and your heart. And it is healing in that moment. And I feel like then the Holy Spirit kind of guides you to the answers of those kinds of prayers as well. Um, That's kind of where I go in those moments. Wow. Uh, yeah, powerful because there's a there's a couple of different things that we could do with desire, right? We mm-hmm. can Christopher West speaks about this. You know, we can we can repress it, we could stuff it, right? We could just I, I I can't think of this, I can't think of this, I can't feel this. Uh, then the other extreme is I'm just gonna indulge. I'm just gonna I'm gonna just mm-hmm. indulge and try to satisfy my every desire. And a lot of people think, well, those are the two choices: you either stuff it or you indulge in it. And mm-hmm. no, like there's actually another option, which is to literally direct that desire, to take that desire, regardless of how lustful or dirty or shameful it might feel, and to literally uh, to give it to to direct it to the Lord, to the one who can mm-hmm. fulfill our every desire. And at the same time, while we are directing it toward Him, we could also let Him into it. Like, Lord, you are, you can satisfy my hungry heart right now. You, Mm -hmm. Lord, because as G.K. Chesterton said, every man that even knocks at the door of a brothel, every man that knocks at the door of a whorehouse is looking for God. We're all Mm -hmm. looking for intimacy. We're all looking for love. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're all looking for complete, deep union that we all want union, union with God, whether we realize it or not, because God is love is mm-hmm. love. God doesn't just have love. God doesn't just give love. God is love. So whether somebody is inclined toward uh, the, the same sex or the opposite sex, um, uh, no human being, not one human being is going to be able to fulfill the deepest desires of our heart. Mm-hmm. Only eternal everlasting love is, and that is God almighty. So, you know, uh, we, we we have to talk about that when we talk about desire. We I spoke a lot about this with Christopher Christopher West in the episode called uh, God, Sex, and uh, Our Holy Mess. And unfortunately, Tyler, I'm like so bummed. I don't we don't have much <laughs> more time left right now, and there's like an infinite amount of things that I, I want to continue to talk about. So uh, I'm gonna beg you for something very quick because I don't even I don't have an episode next week, so maybe we could do part two. Um, <laughs> I, please, Lord Jesus, please. Um, <laughs> But in the remaining time that we have, 
Uh, maybe there are things that I haven't asked you. Maybe there are things that you feel like you should really address and, and, and let people know or to summarize, uh, you know, what we've been talking about so far. Sure. Um, yeah, so definitely if there are people watching this or listening that have same-sex attraction and are looking to be faithful in the Catholic Church, just know that you're not alone. There are others out there. Maybe they're not talking about it on any platforms or even telling people in the parish, but they're out there. Um, so just know you're not alone. And it is possible to live faithful to the Catholic teachings. And then also for kind of on the flip side for family members who have like sons, daughters, grandchildren, brothers, whoever it may be in their family who has drifted out of the church and is living in this LGBT movement, there's always hope for them. There's always that hope that they'll return. Cause I'm, I always think of myself, like I was so one of those people that people would say are so far gone that I would never return. And I didn't even want to come to the church. I didn't want to come back. And, but here I am. So I'm like, if I can leave that all behind and return to the Catholic church, I know all those people out there can as well. So just to keep them in prayer and be patient with them because you never know if that little crack is opening up in their heart and they're going to return one of these days. Amen. What resources can we give them? Is there anything that we, or maybe we could talk offline that I could put it in the show notes to this episode. I mean, are there any support? Like there's, a, there's a, the Catholic church has a ministry called courage. Is that yeah. anything that you got involved in? Um, so unfortunately there's not a courage chapter here in Hawaii, mm. um, but they do have like virtual chapters as well, but they are kind of all throughout the United States. And I think they have some international chapters as well and then there's the annual courage conference that's happening at the end of july that might be something people may want to check out i'm actually going to be going to the courage conference next month really um, there's also yeah <laughs> um wow, and then there's also yeah we gotta, Eden tell, Invi we gotta oh, go tell bishop silva to get a, a courage uh, chapter out there oh yeah <laughs> yeah um and then there's also eden invitation um on instagram and they have a website as well and they have like people where you can like schedule an appointment to talk with them um virtually um so if you have no one to talk to like in your parish or um in your community you can reach out to eat an invitation and schedule a time to talk to one of um those people to kind of help you walk in the catholic faith as well yeah well, I mean, you're from your Instagram, you're so open about it. I mean, did that just come naturally? Was it really nervous? Like, were you nervous to, to just talk about like, hey, I'm I'm a practicing Catholic now, and I'm actually going to live according to what I believe Christ teaches and the scriptures teach and what the church teaches. I mean, has that been a blessing for you or more of like have the people in the LGBTQ community come come after you for in that sense? Uh, I've had some people say some not so nice things on Instagram, but, and some people like delete me or block me. But I mean, when someone slaps you on one cheek, you're supposed to just turn and let them slap the other cheek. That's kind of my motto. Mm. I don't let it defer me from posting the truth and my experience um, in the church. Wow. That's a, hey, <laughs> you're holier than me. Cause when somebody slaps me, I wind my hand up Bam, <laughs> No, uh, uh, on social media. That is, Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, listen, I, to the, to the listeners, 
Uh, please, Tyler, what's your Instagram? How, sure. how can people find you? Sure. So it's one S S A Catholic. One S S A Catholic. Yep. That's it on Instagram. One S S A Catholic. Please follow uh, Tyler on Instagram. Tyler, I hope that we meet very soon. There's so much. We barely scratched the surface because while we did hear about your story, I want to talk about uh, what God and the church teaches on human sexuality with you. I want to get your perspective on it uh, and talk about the different things in the church, the different divisions. I think it's very important more than me for people to hear you know, your thoughts on this. Um, so Lord Jesus Christ, hopefully we'll meet soon, but thank you so much for your time, uh, to the listeners. Uh, this will be please God part one. And, uh, I will list, uh, uh, some of the references, any links in the show notes. Certainly I put the link to Tyler's Instagram so that you could follow him there. He did an amazing, beautiful post today. Uh, today is Monday, June 12th. Uh, his post this morning was absolutely beautiful. Uh, Part of me was like, Oh my gosh, if people read this, they're not going to listen to the episode. Uh, (laughs) cause it's all there. You know what I mean? So, uh, no, 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 it's awesome. So, um, All right. Well, listen, thanks. God bless. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me for a Holy Mess podcast. Please see the show notes in the description for this episode for more details and information about the topic and or our guest. You will find links and resources there to supplement this episode and help you along your messy but holy journey. Please also like, comment, subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this episode. I want to thank Mike Mangione for providing his song, Can You Love Me Falling, from his album Red Wing Blackbird Man to provide for the theme song of this podcast. Finally, Please note that while Father Paul Hoos is a priest for the Archdiocese of Newark, a Holy Mess with his Holy Mess podcast is not affiliated with the Archdiocese of Newark in any way, including but not limited to fundraising efforts. This podcast is purely the personal hobby, product, and evangelization effort of me, Father Paul Hoos. Please join us again next time for another Holy Mess of an episode. God bless. (laughs)